and welcome to a highly anticipated episode of the Play It As It Lies podcast, ready and back in its natural home of gridiron football. Frank, are you ready to talk some Pittskin? Absolutely. Never been more ready uh, in my entire life. We made it to August. Uh, training camp is here. Preseason is here. Uh, definitely starting to get that itch, uh, that football urge. Uh, back in my loins, as I know you are as well. Well, Frank, let me help you spew that urge all over our listeners so that we can keep going and start previewing a lot of the bets we're about to make for the futures. Uh, you know, uh, we usually keep it about an hour, a uh, long little episode podcast. We're trying to keep it shorter here, but we're going to need two divisions uh, for the price of one podcast for you. And we start with uh, the longest highway in the United States, I-75, takes you from the beautiful shores of Chicago down to Raymond James Stadium, where you might just happen to know, we not only just saw our last football game, uh, the, of course, Super Bowl, their hosts, their home team, the Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers of Tampa Bay, uh, are here to defend. And that's where we're going to start here, Frank, with the NFC South. Uh, of course, the Buccaneers are the team we're going to start here with. The over-under at 11.5, over plus 100, under minus 20. On top of that, they're an almost lock to make the playoffs at minus 560 to make it, plus 400, no. Uh, to not make it plus 600 to get, win the Super Bowl, plus 275 just to win the division, and the favorite to win the division at minus 200. Are you over? Are you under on the reigning Super Bowl champs? I think this is easy. I think you have to be over. I mean, in fact, 11 and a half uh, is a generous number. I think this should be upwards of 12 and a half to 13, really. I mean, you look at the Buccaneers in unprecedented, fa- unprecedented fashion winning the Super Bowl and pretty much losing nobody in the offseason. Usually when a team wins the Super Bowl, uh, they suffer some consequences in the offseason. They lose at least one or two key players or contributors, but uh, the Buccaneers breaking the norm, literally bringing back uh, their entire roster, Shaquille Barrett, uh, Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown, uh, Chris Godwin, you name it, uh, they are running it back. And I think they're going to be a great team this year. They have the 29th hardest schedule in the NFL. And I, I see them winning 12 to 13 games at least. I mean, you look up and down the schedule, uh, I don't see five or six losses. And that 11 and a half win total to me uh, seems like an easy over. Even though it's plus 100, it's a worthwhile investment, I think. Yeah, and absolutely. You know, you got the evens. You're not making much profit on there, but they're playing two of the easiest divisions. Not not the easiest, but two of the weaker divisions in the NFL, in the NFC East and the AFC East. And maybe the NFC East got better, but there's still a lot of teams that did not even sniff eight wins last year. Uh, And I think those are the kind of teams that Tom Brady throughout his career has feasted on, and especially such a talented defense. I'm sure whoever the, the football team is starting at quarterback is going to fear facing them, whether it be Heineke or Tannehill, I'm sure the same can be said about the Eagles, and honestly, hoping Dak is still put together for Week 1, but even a Ben DiNucci matchup versus the reigning Super Bowl championship defense, not looking good uh, for Dallas for that one. So absolutely, I think there are just so many easy games up and down the schedule, uh, and while that is a pitfall, we saw the Bucks lose quite a few easy ones, almost lose to the Giants, obviously they did lose to the Bears, a few, a few mess-ups against the Saints. Uh, I think a lot of that will be repaired with another year of Tom Brady, and yeah, I just don't get where this eleven and a half is coming from. I got them going twelve and five, and I think that is, uh, you know, giving teams like the Bears and and even the Panthers a chance to maybe steal a few there across the schedule. Yeah, I mean, in reality, the Buccaneers are going to lose a game or two this season that looks like a win on paper. That's just the nature of football that happens every year. But even so, I mean, 
they went 11 and 5 last year. Now you have the extra game added to the schedule, and that 11 and 5 uh, came after they won the final four or five games of the season. I mean, that's what people forget. Yes, they were the Super Bowl champions, but they didn't truly click as a team on both sides of the ball until week 11, week 12, I want to say, off the top of my head. And now they have that chemistry on both sides of the ball. Uh, they have one of the best coaching and quarterback combinations in the NFL. Uh, they're an experienced veteran team. And 11-5 and five last year, I don't see how they're not at least a game or two better uh, in 2021. Absolutely. And uh, they'll be hoping to keep that intact as they uh, try and defend their Super Bowl. But we got to move on elsewhere in the Gulf Coast of Mexico uh, to the reigning division champions. While the Super Bowl trophy might be in the division, the actual champions of the division are, of course, the New Orleans Saints. They went 12-4 and this year, but their over-under has been handed to them at 9.5 with an over of plus 120 and an under of minus 140. Chances to make the Super Bowl at plus 3,000. And it seems that Vegas is a little bit more controversial about them making the playoffs with an actually plus 114 to actually make it with a minus 139 to make the playoffs. So, Frank, obviously your over-under is most important here, but are the Saints a more lock of a playoff team to you than they are to Vegas? It's tough to say. I definitely don't see them as a playoff lock. And I think that nine and a half, I know the over is plus 120, but I think nine and a half is a little bit too high. And it really boils down to how much do you trust or respect, I guess, Sean Payton as a head coach and the culture, uh, the winning culture that the Saints have, because that's really going to be put to the test this year. Obviously, Drew Brees is no longer in the picture. And how much of a downgrade is going from Brees uh, the, the state that Breeze was in last year, you know, as we saw him decline a little bit, going from that version of Breeze to either Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. I think how much of a downgrade that is is going to be up for, it's up for debate. And really that's going to make or break uh, the Saints season. Personally, I think Winston uh, and Taysom Hill to a lesser extent uh, are good enough to keep the Saints in the mix, whatever that looks like. Uh, and I do trust Sean Payton as a head coach to keep this team afloat uh, and, and keep them competitive, but I don't see them coming close to winning this division like they have in years past. And their offseason was okay, I guess. I mean, they didn't really do too much in free agency aside from uh, retaining a lot of their in-house free agents. And I didn't really love what they did in the draft either. I mean, Peyton Turner in the first round, Pete Warner in the second round, and then they reached for a quarterback in the sixth round where they probably could have got another contributor. It, it was a lateral off season, I think for new Orleans uh, at a point where they really need to go upwards. Well, it, 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 that's an interesting argument because I feel like you kind of went in a circle there. You went from, I trust Sean Payton. I trust this offense. I trust this defense. Uh, but yet they're still not good enough. And, and I can understand that sentiment, especially with the loss of drew Brees, who has been the anchor to which this team has been, been held to since 2006 but again, I think Sean Payton is a much bigger factor there, not bigger than Drew Brees, of course, but is a big factor in, in stabilizing what this team is. Four straight playoff appearances and four straight division crowns uh, in a division where consistency is hard to find. Yeah, I think their free agency haven't been appealing. I think Jarrett Sweezy was a nice little pickup. And obviously losing Trey Hendrickson to the Bengals of all team uh, is, is a little disappointing. But this is still, again, a pretty easy schedule. And if they can just work around, you know, picking up a game against the Bucks, or, you know, fighting real hard against the NFC East and, and trying going 4-0 as hard as they can over there, 
I I don't see why this team can't be a double digit playoff team. And, and I think at plus one fourteen, I, I I think that Sean Payton deserves a little bit more credit here. Uh, I'm surprised that Vegas has made it this low, and I, I'm honestly surprised that you're you're sticking on this under side. A little. Yeah, I mean it, it's definitely viable. Like I said, I think they're going to be a viable uh, team over the second half of the season. And what I meant during my spiel was, I think they had a lateral off season, but. I think Sean Payton and the culture are strong enough that the bottom is not going to fall out. And for that reason, reason I see them winning at least eight games. I, I have them going nine and eight. So I think they're right under that nine and a half mark. And sure, could they steal a game on their schedule and win 10 games? Certainly plausible. And like you said, the over, uh, the over mark of plus 120 or maybe even the make playoffs at plus 114, uh, that, that could be fruitful. But it's a tough division. It's a tough conference, and I just don't know if the Saints did enough this offseason to keep up. And, I mean, you look at last season, they won 12 games. Two of those games, or two of those victories, were against the Buccaneers. And I think we would both agree that's that script is probably going to flip. And if you're losing twice to the Buccaneers, you have to make up margins elsewhere. And that won't be a a walk in the park in this division. It won't be, but I guess that speaks a lot to uh, how much faith some people will have in Jameis Winston. I mean, if he can perform, or I mean, God forbid, Taysom Hill uh, can perform a full season at quarterback, I think the sky's really the limits for this team, uh, especially with, I think, the best coach in the division. It's a fair point. Yeah, Frank, well, I appreciate you calling that a fair point, but there is another guy that maybe needs to be mentioned when we're talking about the best head coach in the division, though he is a little bit of a freshman head coach right now. Former offensive Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith, head coach for the Atlanta Falcons, holding it down in the ATL. Uh, biggest news out of Atlanta is, of course, number four overall pick in the draft. One of the generational talents that we're hoping to see. Tight end Kyle Pitts, excitingly added to an offense kind of already loaded. Frank, do you think this offense can carry them over their over-under of seven uh, with an over of minus 115 and under of minus 105 and chances to make the playoffs at plus 240, yes. Minus 305, no. Well, it's tough to say. And I really have no idea what to expect uh, from this Falcons team. It, it's a different look. Uh, in many ways, it's the same look. But like you said, new head coach. And over the past couple of years, I mean, the Falcons, the script has kind of been the same. Uh, they start off very, very poorly. And they play catch up in the second half of the season. And they managed to get their way close to 500 last year, not so much. But they look better in the second half than they do in the first half. So a lot of those self-inflicted wounds, you would think, would subside to a certain extent. And that could result in Falcons uh, having a more impressive season than their 4-12 and finish last year. And I do think they're going to be better than they were last year. I think uh, adding Kyle Pitts, as well as other guys in the draft, like Richie Grant, and Jalen Mayfield, those are good pickups, and it's going to improve uh, their offense. Unfortunately, their biggest problem has been defense, and I don't think they did nearly enough this offseason uh, to improve on that side of the ball, especially in the secondary. You can only win shootout-type games uh, every... You can only win so many games in shootout-type fashion, and the Falcons have been a perfect example of that over the past couple of years. And Arthur Smith... He was a great offensive coordinator in Tennessee. He probably deserved a head coaching job, but I'm not sure how confident I would be uh, in how good. I'm not sure how confident I am that he's going to be a great head coach, at least not in year one. And it's over under of seven for Atlanta. 
to me, that's got to be a push. I can see it going over, under, slightly. But I would just go seven on the dot. And I wouldn't bet on this Falcons team, frankly, because there's too many question marks to me uh, and not enough exclamation points. Yeah, I mean, I can finish that off just pouring an exclamation point myself on your entire point because there's no way I, I don't agree here. And to me, the, the cow, the to me, the Falcons are really just the Cowboys junior, uh, or at least maybe in another division, because it's all offense and absolutely no defense with a head coach that might not be able to deliver on days when he needs that offense to super exceed his defense. The problem is, though, the Cowboys have Dak Prescott, and while Matt Ryan is a terrific quarterback. He's past his prime, and he's not capable to do a lot of the things, especially on the ground, that Dak is capable to do. And on top of that, uh, as much as people start hating on Ezekiel Elliott, the Mike Davis situation, along with whoever else is on that running back room, is not fantastic. And sure, the, the passing talents are absolutely there. A great offensive line now added with to, Jason, uh, to Jalen Mayfield. I'm excited for all that. But when you get to the other side of the field, and you not only have already lost one of your best players on defense in Keanu Neal... Um, you are just licking wound after wound after wound, and I don't know if this is the kind of offense that's going to be able to pick it up. Sure, Atlanta's been known as a comeback team, uh, and also as a team that's lost comebacks. And like you mentioned, they usually start off poorly. They finish po- they they usually start off poorly and finish well. Not a lot of opportunity to do that this year. S- of their last seven game of the last six games, they'll be playing the Buccaneers, the Panthers, the 49ers, the Bills, and the Saints, and the, specifically the Bills and 49ers will all be on the road. Doesn't seem like Atlanta's trademark, especially in the regular season, is going to be able to come and haunt them. And sure, and over is a little bit less profitable. And sure, I agree with you that seven is a pretty fair number and could be the number they result. But I would lean on that under at minus 105. It's the more profitable of the two and honestly, the more likely of them. Yeah, I would agree. I think the under is more likely than over. I mean, and we didn't even mention Julio Jones. I mean, that's the elephant in the room. They lost Julio Jones. Obviously, it's only one player, but Julio's kind of carried this offense uh, the better part of this decade in many respects, uh, and he's gone. And I don't think Arthur Smith and uh, Calvin Ridley and all the other guys they brought in can really make up the difference. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe put some respect on Russell Gage's name. Well, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to gauge that at a different time. We will have to gauge that, uh, but let's gauge uh, our, our tanks as we've driven around the entire NFC South. Uh, let's finish our stop off south of the border uh, in the North Carolina region. Uh, in Carolina, I think you're the one that's going to be a little bit more excited to talk about them. You you were speaking of, glowingly of them last year, and I'm sure excited about their additions uh, through what was one of the best drafts and one of the best free agencies, all topped off by news quarterback Sam Darnold. Big question is, is Sam Darnold going to be a playoff quarterback? Well, Vegas certainly does not think so with an over-under set at 7.5, over plus one, over 115, under 130, and to make the playoffs plus 275, no, minus 360. They went 5-11, and 11, Frank. How far do you see these Panthers flying? Yeah, they went 5-11, and 11, uh, which is a little bit disappointing because, you know, I was very optimistic about them last season, but... I think you saw a lot of growth uh, in those in that five and eleven record, and it was a first year head coach. Uh, you had a up and down quarterback situation, and now, like you said, I think they really had one of the stronger off seasons of any team, especially in this division. Uh, when you combine what they did in free agency uh, and in the draft, really on both sides of the ball, uh, it's going to be a new look group. I think in many respects, the Panthers are still rebuilding. They're still a young team. 
but they add a lot of veteran pieces uh, this offseason. Now you have Matt Rule going into year two. Uh, the biggest X factor and question mark is what does going from Teddy Bridgewater to Sam Darnold at quarterback, what is that going to do from their 5-11 record last year in 2021? To me, I think Darnold is more dynamic than Bridgewater at the very least. I think he adds a different element to the Panthers offense in terms of mobility and arm strength uh, that I think they kind of lacked at some times last at some points last season. I think their offensive line will be improved. And I, th- I do think they're going to win a few more games. And they're over under a seven and a half. Uh, I see them winning eight or nine games. Uh, and the over is plus 115. I think there's legitimate value there. Yeah, entirely legitimate value, though. I think of all the teams we've already talked about, especially in this division, I could see them trip up in a few games. They're playing a lot of improved NFC East third-place teams, uh, specifically the Cowboys and the Vikings, I think could uh, could be a little bit of a hiccup for both of them. And while Carolina is incredibly talented, I don't know. I feel like this is really a flip of a coin team. It's entirely talented. Everything you've said is totally right. Their free agency class, I think, is not just one of the best in the division. It is the best in, in all of... In all of the NFL, A.J. Bouye, of course, Hassan Reddick, Denzel Perriman, you mentioned a few of these guys already, but it's just such a talented addition to what is their head coach job that already looks great. I'm very excited to see what comes out of them, but I don't know if it's going to be good or bad or if it's going to blow up in their face or if it's going to be just a a symptom of schedule. Uh, All I know is the Panthers are going to be better than last year, and next year they'll be even better. Yeah, I think that's a good way to sum it up. So, I mean, the over-under 7.5... Uh, it sounds like you're cautiously optimistic, but if you had to say which side of the fence are you, are you going to lean towards? Because that over is plus 115, whereas the under is minus 130. I mean, you know that's got to be that, – that's what caught my eye. I mean, when I'm on the fence like something like this, it's definitely going to be plus 115. Uh, I think the Panthers have a lot of winnable games, and like you've mentioned, I, they just, they're just talented. They're talented. There's a lot to like here. Uh, and they certainly could win nine games, and I think getting one and a half over in an optimistic range is definitely worth that plus 115, Uh, so definitely an over. Yeah, I agree, and uh, I think that's a good segue into summing up, summarizing our thoughts on NFC South, would you say? Yeah, I would say. It's going to be a great division. I think no matter how you cut it up, you've got three to four even terrific offenses you've got two terrific defenses uh carolina depending how far they go i think you can make that another three uh there's no way you go wrong here but for right now tampa bay it got to be on top they're going 12 and 5 in my book new orleans picking up right behind them at 10 and 7 uh atlanta 6 and 1 carolina 9 and 8 i think carolina is going to squeeze out of the playoffs very sadly but i think new orleans and tampa bay uh will be fighting in the postseason it's a good prediction. I've got the Buccaneers going 13-4, and four, uh, the Panthers and Saints both going 9-8, and eight, and the Falcons bringing up the rear uh, at 7-10. and 10. Great predictions, Frank. Uh, that does also add on that we're both taking the division. Minus 200 Buccaneers. Don't know if I'm going to put money on it, but uh, we both seem pretty confident in it. And uh, seeing that there's a two- or three-game gap between us, between the number one and the number two in both the predictions, safe it's a pretty safe bet and maybe a safer bet than our next division as we head from the south flip the compass to the red house we're going to the north uh biggest news of the offseason i mean is it been aaron Rodgers or it hasn't been aaron Rodgers? i mean there's nothing this guy hasn't done that stood out and that's why we're going right to green bay here they won the division they obviously lost the last game of their season to not go to the super bowl finishing off a nice 13 and 3 in the regular season and they're now matched up with an over under of 11 
in what Aaron Rodgers, that bad, bad man, has declared his last dance. Frank, over under, 11, plus 105 for over, minus 125 under, and making the playoffs is a certainty to Vegas at minus 670. What's that bad, bad man doing in your eyes? Well, it's a certainty to Vegas, and it's a certainty to me. And the over-under of 11, uh, again, just like with the Buccaneers, I think it's too low. I mean, you look at this Packers team. Yes, it was an offseason unlike any other, full of drama and turmoil. But now we're in August. Aaron Rodgers is practicing. He's playing this season. Like you said, he's declared the last dance. We're talking about a Packers team that's won 13 games in back-to-back years. Sure, they have the fourth-hardest schedule in the league this year on paper, but I think they've kind of earned the benefit of the doubt, especially as it pertains to dominating the NFC North uh, year in and year out. And really the biggest loss that they suffered this offseason was losing Corey Lindsley in free agency. And while that hurts, I think the Packers have a good track record uh, as it pertains to offensive linemen, developing offensive linemen, plugging and playing guys. And if you lose your best offensive linemen, Uh, you have the benefit of having one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, the reigning MVP, uh, who by all accounts is going to be motivated this season, uh, maybe more motivated than he has ever been before. And that's good news if you're Green Bay. So whether it's 12 wins or whether it's 13 wins again or 14 wins, what have you, I see them winning more than 11 games for the third straight year, and that would hit the plus 105 on the over. Yeah, I mean, oh boy, would that hit. That's a that's a whole two games over Vegas' prediction. And Frank, I'm going to top you on that one by one more. I see them going 14-3 and three because everything you said just could not be any more true. The defense, I think especially, is going to be the ones that are going to have to pay attention to the fact that Aaron Rodgers is leaving next year. And this is in no one's definition a top 10 defense. So if you're a guy like, Deon, like, like, like Darnell Savage or Zadarius Smith and you not only are need about to get paid, you want to get that ring, this is it. This is the year that this team has to come together and play to their fullest potential, and I absolutely believe that that could happen. If that does happen, and we see uh, not even top 10, just, you know, 10th, 11th, 9th kind of defense out of this team, that's unstoppable. That's an unbearable game to match the game plan against, because not only have to deal with Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, uh, and the whole lot of one of the best offensive linemen in the league, uh, not, not to mention, Frankie, you said they're losing uh, one of their best offensive linemen, Corey Lindsley. You've still got the best offensive lineman in the league in David Bakhtiari guarding your left tackle. Not to mention a great, phenomenal guard right next to him in Runyon and Josh Myers, who they drafted in the second round. This is not losing a step kind of offensive line. Uh, and, and, man, I'm not usually a fan of the Packers, uh, but Aaron Rodgers, I think this is really going to be, uh, you'll tell your kids about this season kind of season from him, which is crazy to say from the reigning MVP. I, I can't wait. I really can't. Over all the way. Yeah, you'll tell your kids about this season of Aaron Rodgers. And we're saying that uh, a year removed from him throwing almost 50 touchdowns and winning MVP in dominant fashion. So if that's the floor, I'm very excited to see what the ceiling is. Yeah, and uh, the ceiling is somewhere the Packers are usually familiar with, but last year, uh, one of their main rivals were more familiar with their floor. The Vikings, the team both of us predicted to win this division last year, uh, went a pretty solemn 7-9, and uh, started off a pretty horrible 0-5. Mike Zimmer almost lost a job, but lo and behold, Kirk Cousins became Super Kirk. Uh, maybe more Dalvin Cook, 
but we'll we'll give it to Kirk for now. Uh, they're over under sitting at eight point five with an over at minus one fifteen and an under of minus one hundred five. Uh, does suggest a pretty healthy chance to make the playoffs with a yes at plus 123 and a no at minus 150. Frank, are the purple people eaters coming back to the playoffs? I don't think it's out of the cards, but it, it's this feels like a pivotal season for Minnesota, I think, with this core in place, with Kirk Cousins at quarterback and Mike Zermatt head coach, because in many ways, it kind of feels like they're they're stuck in NFL purgatory right now. They're on the outside looking in of the postseason, or they just get in, they just sneak into the postseason every year. And I don't think they're challenging the Packers for the division title. And ever so quietly, they kind of had a complete makeover this offseason in many respects, especially on defense in the secondary. I mean, they signed three cornerbacks. They signed a new safety. They lost a couple corners. They lost a couple safeties. And their defense was underwhelming last year, and they've had injuries. And if their defense gets better, they were 7-9 and nine last year. Uh, I think we could see some improvement from Minnesota. Unfortunately, at the same time, uh, their schedule is brutal, to say the least. I mean, you look up and down their schedule, uh, even their out-of-conference and division games against the Ravens, the Chargers, uh, the 49ers, uh, the Steelers, and the Rams. It's a tough schedule. And, of course, they do still have to play the Packers twice a year. And even a game, even two games against the Bears, those intra-division games, are no walk in the park. And the over-under is set at eight and a half. To me, that's a toss-up. But if I had to lean either way, I'd go slightly under at minus 105 and have them winning uh, eight games, finishing just under 500. I'm, I'm interested to hear you say that, and I think the schedule has to play a huge part in that because I think in almost any other division, this is a team that could – very much make the playoffs as a certainty and i you know you talked about how they remade that defense uh this is a defense worth gushing over their defensive line i think is easily the best in football better than even that of the washington football team with daniel hunter michael pierce dalvin tomlinson and sheldon richardson are four different guys that have gotten double digit sacks at some point in their career and all of them within the last three years that is not talent you find on most average defenses. Put Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr right behind them and whoever whoever else you want at linebacker, and that's a top three front seven. Next to them, you put Patrick Peterson and Bashad Breeland, two veterans of the NFL who maybe have lost a step are great. And on the opposite side of them, you've got Mackenzie Alexander and Cameron Dantzler, um, who are phenomenal quarterbacks. And the signature of Mike Zimmer uh, throughout his time in Minnesota has been how talented he's been able to be develop cornerbacks, safeties, wide receivers, and running backs, players who really make a difference, especially in the passing game, and he's done that terrifically, and I think that second-year Cam Densler is going to be great. Third-year Mackenzie Alexander is going to be great. This defense is going to be a top-five defense in the league, and it's going to be so great. On the top of that, I also said this last year. I said this exact same spiel last year, and it was all the fact that Daniel Hunter and Michael Pierce didn't get a single snap, did kind of throw that off. Obviously, things change. But I still believe in uh, I still believe in Mike Zimmer. The fact that they kept him after his own five shows that the franchise believes in him. I didn't even say a word about three All Pros on their offense and Kirk Cousins and a pretty solid offensive line. So I don't know. There's nothing to not like about this Vikings team. And thus, I'm going over. Yeah, I mean, you definitely make some fair points. There is a lot to like about this Vikings team, um, but again, it. I think it's a pivotal year. And I would ask you, just off the top of your head, if the Vikings miss the playoffs this year, is Mike Zimmer on the chopping block? 
I think it kind of depends how it happens. Um, if if it's you missed it and it's because you got into the last four games of the season and you had to beat either the Rams, the Packers, or the Bears, and you only managed to beat the Bears, I, I can understand that if I'm the Vikings. You kept him after last year. He's obviously got a great system. He's only not been a top 10 defensive coach uh, one time in his career, and it was last year because half his defense was hurt. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't. I, I see Zimmer head coach next year as long as they competed for the playoffs. If in week if in week 18 they have a chance to make the playoffs, he's still there. Yeah, I can see that happening. I definitely think that's going to be a conversation uh, about a year or so from now. But let's say I agree with you that the Vikings, uh, the over will hit. To me, I just don't see them as, as a double-digit win team. I think nine is probably their ceiling. And if you're winning nine games in this NFC, even in an expanded playoff format, uh, I don't know if that's enough to sneak into the wild card. I think they'll be right there with the Saints and the Panthers as the season winds down uh, for one of those last two playoff spots. But at plus 123 uh, to make the playoffs, I'm not I'm not confident enough in the Vikings as currently is to uh, throw my money in that direction. Well, that's fair enough. Some of us a little bit more bold than others, Frank, uh, and that could be said about me, not just for the Vikings this year, but also for a certain team in Navy and Orange last year. Uh, let's leave Minnesota and head a little bit south to, Mich- to Lake Michigan, where we go to Chicago. Uh, the Chicago Bears made the playoffs last year. Huge news. Huge if true. Uh, and obviously they were led by Nickelodeon most valuable player, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky, no longer on the team. We're now left with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields uh, as the potential starting quarterbacks. And thus Vegas has hit a team that made the playoffs last year with 8-8, eight and eight, a 7.5 over under. Over at plus 105, under at minus 125, a nice plus 180 to make the playoffs at minus 225 to not Frank. Uh, you know I've got a lot of shade about the Bears, Frank. Uh, I did a lot last year. But go ahead, take the floor. Yeah, you definitely have more to say than me, I think, uh, e- even this year once again. But like you said, they went 500 last year, 8-8 uh, eight and eight exactly. And I just don't see where the improvement came uh, this offseason. Going from... Mitchell Trubisky to Andy Dalton, who's presumed to be uh, locked in as the starter, is lateral movement. That That's not an upgrade at quarterback. If anything, based on how the Bears' scheme is, you could even say that's a slight downgrade. And I don't think the Bears are going to be better than last year by any stretch. It's just a question of how much worse are they going to be and how much better uh, con- simultaneously are the Vikings going to be because that kind of goes hand-in-hand. If the Vikings are better... Uh, that could come at the expense of Chicago. And I see them losing a few more games than they did last year, and there's an extra game on the schedule. And an over-under of 7.5, to me, that's uh, a safe under. And you look at their schedule, just like Green Bay, just like Minnesota, it's tough sledding. I mean, this is, this is not an easy schedule by any stretch of the imagination. And their margin of error in Chicago this year is so thin. And at some point, you know that Andy Dalton is going to be benched, and Justin Fields is going to be inserted into the starting lineup. And I think that should be sooner rather than later because, yeah, Fields is a rookie, but frankly, I think he gives the Bears a better chance to win right now than Andy Dalton does. And Fields was, to me, the second-best quarterback in this draft class. But even if they put him in as the starter, it's too tough of a schedule. Uh, there's too much dysfunction on both sides of the ball, really. I don't see the Bears... Uh, being a playoff competitive team this year. So the under of seven and a half to me is a good call. 
Yeah, I can't I can't disagree with you at all. And I think that the one where I have on on the field situation is when are you safely saying, yeah, I'm confident in putting in my rookie quarterback because for two different four game slates during the season, they play first the Packers, Bucks, the 49ers, and then the Steelers. All phenomenal defenses. Uh, and then later in the season, you go and play the Cardinals, Packers, Vikings, Seahawks, and Giants, and then the Vikings again. And sure, not everyone thinks so highly about the Vikings and the Giants, respectively, as I do, but those are terrible defenses to try and get acclimated to the NFL in, and I think that can shine a very poor light on Justin Fields. Uh, and while starting against the Rams, Bengals, and Browns won't do great for Andy Dalton either, I just think, aside from two games against the Lions and, and I mean, maybe the Cardinals and Giants... There are no cupcake games on this schedule. There is nothing that you can do and we say, this is the game we're throwing Justin Fields. And for that reason, I think it's going to be tough to deal with this quarterback situation. I think, I think either way, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are just going to mess it up. Uh, I saw it all last year. I may have rooted for them. I love this defense. I'm excited to see Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack and, and, and Allen Robinson and, and everything that they have that's so great on this team. But management is just so bad that there's no way they handle the situation right. I don't think they're going to get their offensive line troubles behind them, despite drafting two great offensive linemen, Larry Barham and, and Tevin Jenkins. It's just not going to come together. And I am slamming that under right there with you. Yeah, I think to summarize, I mean, last year the Bears' defense carried them to the postseason by the skin of their teeth. And I don't think the defense can do that again because the offense uh, didn't get any better which they needed to, and they lost key contributors like Kyle Fuller at cornerback, Charles Leno at left tackle, and their schedule is way more difficult. So I see the Bears capped out at six wins, I think, which, again, would be the under. And that plus 180 to make the playoffs, um, I'm not touching that. And it doesn't sound like you are either. I'm not uh, – I, I need to record myself saying this right now so I can show this to myself when I'm going to call for the for the Bears to beat the 49ers in Week 8. I need to remind myself that they're terrible. But I have them going 4-13, uh, and, and I think, sure, they're probably going to win a fifth and a sixth game, surprising someone because that's just how talented this defense is. But just the way this offense is set up, they only have four games where they really can win, and uh, that that's on a positive side, so easily an under here. Um, and that was a pretty bleak description, Frank. So, you know, we could just copy and paste to the next team that's perennially been in this position. Welcome to Detroit, baby. Uh, no longer Matt Stafford, now Jared Goff under quarterback, and pretty much no one to throw to. So I hope you like a good offensive line and a whole lot of Detroit defense uh, with an over-under of five, uh, which matches their last year total. Um, under at plus 110, un over at minus 130. Uh, no way they make the playoffs, but in case they do, it's plus 575. Frank, are the Lions going to be the first overall pick next year? If you ask me right now, I would say yes. It's going to be them or the Houston Texans. Either way, this Lions team is not going to be good. Uh, the over-under is five. Uh, that under is plus 110. Out of all the over-under bets we've talked about so far, that honestly might be the best one because I don't see the Lions winning more than one game in the division. In fact, I can see them losing every single division game. And then they're out of division games. Uh, I just don't see where the win comes, where the wins come from. I mean, maybe they beat the Bengals. Uh, maybe they steal a game against the Broncos or Cardinals or Falcons. But even so, we're talking about a three, four win team max. And that's not a recipe for success. And uh, it's not a recipe for the postseason or, or any sort of winning equations not going to happen in Detroit this season. 
Yeah, they, I mean, there's no disagreement here. Uh, on a little bit of a positive note, I do like their offensive line. Penny Sewell and Frank Ragnow is going to be a little bit interesting to watch. Uh, they're going to have a lot of protecting to do. Uh, but I think that the benefits of what was a pretty good building off season uh, are going to be reaped by probably the next head coach and the next front office. Uh, because, God, uh, I doubt the Lions or Detroit will be very happy. Not that they have been for a while, but uh, easy under. Especially, I'm surprised that it's under plus 110. What, where, where do you think Vegas is thinking all these wins are going to show up from? I, I think they. the only explanation is they're getting too amped up watching uh, Dan Campbell's press conferences where uh, he's off three espressos and he's talking about busting people's kneecaps and busting balls. That That's the only explanation because that's, that's really the only only shed of optimism that exists in Detroit right now. But first-year head coaches uh, with a new quarterback and a bad roster, that is not uh, its not an equation for winning football games. Uh, it certainly is not. Um, but, you know, overall, I think it might be time for us to wrap up the division. Uh, a little bit more one-horse race here, uh, and that, of course, is going to be the Green Bay Packers at 14-3. and I do still believe in the Vikings. I got them at 10-7. and The Bears... Oh, the Bears, 4-13 and in my eyes. That defense, though, 17-0 and in my heart. Uh, and Detroit is going to finish off at 3-14. and Good prediction there. Along similar lines, I have the Packers going 13-4 and as the clear-cut number one in this division. The Vikings, I was leaning under. Uh, I'll, I'll split the difference, and I'll say a slight over at 9-8. and And the Bears, 6-11 and in the Lions. You know what? I'll give them four wins. I'll say they go four and thirteen. And Dan Campbell, he he busts enough kneecaps to win four games, but it still amounts to absolutely nothing in the long run. Just a worse draft pick. That's all that's gonna happen. Well, it'll be an exciting time. You know, they just got the number one overall pick in basketball. Detroit can reap back to back number one overall picks, whose career they will likely ruin. But instead of talking to teams that can ruin careers, let's talk about teams that can win championships, Frank. Uh, based on the two divisions we've talked about, the North and the South, uh, let's talk about them collectively as a whole. Do you think that the Super Bowl champion or even the NFC champion lies in either of them? Because uh, it seems that Vegas is a big fan of one of them and really not liking the other. Currently, to win the NFC as a division, the South is at plus 140 and the North is at plus 525. Uh, and to win the Super Bowl, similarly, the South is at plus 425, and the North has it a whopping plus 1,000. Obviously, the Packers seem to be the favorite for both, so do you think that Vegas also just sees a one-horse race here, or do you think the South is really that partial? Well, I mean, with these two divisions, we're talking about uh, the representatives in the NFC Championship game uh, last season, the Packers and the Buccaneers. And I totally understand why the NFC South, that being the Buccaneers division, is favored to win the NFC at plus 140 and has the best odds of any NFC division to win the Super Bowl at plus 425. But I kind of feel like the North is being a little bit undervalued here. I mean, again, the Packers have been to the NFC Championship game in back-to-back -back seasons, and we're not envisioning much of a decline, if any, uh, in 2021. And they're tied with the NFC East for the worst odds of any NFC division to win the conference, which to me is a little bit disrespectful. At plus 525, I'm not saying the Packers are a shoo-in to get back to the championship game or they're a shoo-in to beat the Buccaneers or beat whoever and get to the Super Bowl, but I think there's value there. I mean, again, we're talking about a team that's won 26 games over the past two seasons, 
They've been on the doorstep of getting to the Super Bowl, and it's not inconceivable that if they get back to that NFC Championship game, that, you know, maybe third time's a charm. Well, you would imagine the third time's the charm, and I go back to it. We mentioned it at the start of the Packers. Him, Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae Adams are both proclaiming this their last dance. I don't think you can tell yourselves Jordan and Pippen and pretend that this is the whole last dance, one of the greatest basketball teams of all time, and not put a ring at the finger. I'm not predicting that they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I would be incredibly surprised if when we're with four teams left in the playoffs, if Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers are not one of them. I don't know if I can say that they're going to win that next game. It's it's always been their horse, but this is, as you said, incredibly disrespectful, not just to the Packers and a little bit to the Vikings, obviously not on the same level. But, I mean, to be equal to the East? Really? When's the last time the NFC East sent a team NFC championship? When? I guess the Eagles. When was that, five years ago? That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Ridiculous of you, Vegas. I would bet on the North here. Um, the value you can get from the other two profitable divisions, uh, the South at plus 140 and the West at plus 160, sure are nice, and the West specifically is loaded with teams that could win the NFC. But the North, just that value you're single-handedly getting from Green Bay and that tinge of possibility you're getting from Minnesota, I think is worth it to take at plus 525. Yeah, and I think we'd both agree that between the Packers and Buccaneers, the Buccaneers are the better team, which obviously is fair because they beat the Packers when those two teams matched up. But I don't think it's a tremendous uh, disparity between the two. But if you looked at the odds, uh, that's what you would think. So I think that the plus 525 for the North to win the NFC and the plus 1,000 for the North to win the Super Bowl, those are good odds. And it's odds worth betting on. And the South to win the division at plus 140, I mean, sure, there's some profit there. But I think the South to win the Super Bowl at plus 425 uh, is the better bet of that given that the Buccaneers uh, are one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl again as they, as they should be but to summarize Rodham to put a cherry on top of these divisions I think each division uh, has one clear-cut best teams the Buccaneers and the Packers and to me those are the only two teams that should be considered playoff locks and championship contenders out of all the eight teams that we've talked about. Okay, well, uh, you know, before we, we truly put a, a, a bow tie on this whole conversation, one one last question for you. So you've got the two teams that are making the division. We obviously haven't talked about the East or the West, the West being an incredibly talented division that could send three wild cards if they wanted to. Between the other six teams, obviously we're really just talking about three, that being the the Panthers, the Falcons, uh, the, the Panthers, the Saints, and the Vikings, which of those teams do you think is the most likely to grab a wildcard spot and thus make the playoffs? If I could remind you, the Vikings at plus 125 to make the playoffs, uh, the Saints 114, and the Panthers at plus 275. It's tough to say because I really think you're splitting hairs, uh, as currently is, between those three teams, but I'd probably lean towards the Saints because they have the most proven track record of success, and I think they have the best, easily the best head coach uh, in Sean Payton of those three teams. Yeah, can't deny the pedigree or the ring on his finger. Uh, but for that, uh, we are finished with both the NFC North and South. We'll see you later this week for the other directionals of uh, the NFC, which we'll be very excited about. But between now and then, you can make sure to check us out both on Instagram and on Twitter at PlayItPod. You can check me out at Rodham Kaufman on both of those sites. And Frank, where can the listeners find you exclusively on Twitter? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FrankJP0, and we will talk to you later this week.